Well, welcome to South Point. My name is Tanner. I'm on staff here. Glad that you joined us here in person and online. If you are brand new with us, let me introduce us here at South Point. The very reason we exist is we want everyone to actually experience God's unconditional love. And we see this in the person of Jesus, that God himself came down in flesh, put on flesh, and dwelt among us, that he lived among us. And that's why what we are doing this year is spending a year teaching through a biography of Jesus written by his close friend named John. And we are in a series right now where we are looking at one portion of this gospel of John, this, this part of John uh, in scripture, where we are looking at the miracles, the signs that Jesus did. And John is unique because he calls them signs. They point to something. These events that happened in the first century point to something greater and bigger, this reality, this truth that we see in the person of Jesus. And right now, this sign, this final sign that we are talking about today points to, points to life, points to the purpose of life, points to why, how all of these signs come together and tie together. We've talked about Jesus turning water into wine. We've talked about Jesus healing people and walking on water and multiplying loaves and fish to feed thousands of people. And today we come to what is the very purpose, the very reason why Jesus came at all, and that is to make dead people live. To make dead people live. So we're going to read this scripture from John chapter 11 today, and I said this last week, I calculated last week we read 40 verses of scripture. <laughs> Pay attention when we read scripture, this is the most important part of what we do. Uh, we are also going to read a lot of scripture today and reading this story of Jesus raising his friend Lazarus from the grave. So first of all, as we read this story, I think what we're going to see is that Jesus loves, he loves you and me, and we see this in how he loves Lazarus and his family. Jesus loves with both truth and tears. We're going to start in John chapter 11, right at the very beginning to set the tone for for this at all. So we'll start there. John chapter 11 verse 1. Now there was a man named Lazarus and he was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was, this, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love, the one you love, Jesus. And, and know this, this is how Lazarus is, is viewed. The one you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, he says, this sickness will not end in death. And he says, notice for God's glory, that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard, and here's, this line always grabs me in scripture. When Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, what did he do? He stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Like, Jesus, isn't this like urgent, right? And so often we have situations in our life and we look at Jesus and say, Jesus, there's like a time on this. Like, we need you yesterday. And he waited two more days. Let us go back to Judea. This is what he says to his followers, to his disciples. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, let us remind you, Jesus, a short while ago, the Jews there 
tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? And Jesus answered, is there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they will see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Jesus says, I'm not afraid of them. And he is set to go back, and he is set to encounter this situation of great, great difficulty, the situation of suffering, the situation, spoiler alert, that Lazarus will be dead. And he goes and he talks to the sisters. We will see this here. Let's, fi let's finish this conversation here with his disciples in verse 14. So then he told them plainly because they, they said, well, Jesus, you know, Lazarus is just sleeping. He says, no, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. Why? So that you may believe. And as we said from the beginning of this whole series, the whole point of all of these signs, Jesus says, is that you would believe, that you would actually trust in him. Again, this, this, is, this word here means more than just an intellectual, yeah, yeah, Jesus, I believe. No, it's actually putting your belief into practice. It's a trust. And Jesus said, the reason I do this, the reason I work is so that you may trust me. He says, but let us go to him. And then Thomas, one of the disciples, known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, okay, here we go. Let us go that we also may die with him. He knows that there is going to be trouble on the horizon. He knows what is coming. And he says, okay, let's go. We're following Jesus. Let's go, even though this may mean trouble for us. Now, we will pick up here where Jesus arrives and talks to the sisters. And this is where we see Jesus loving. All of that is like background. This is where we see Jesus loving with truth and with tears. There's two sisters. And if you have siblings, you realize you are not the same as your siblings, right? God made you differently. We see that in these two sisters. One of them is more rational, more stoic, more like, okay, Jesus, give me the logic here behind this. Give me the truth. And one of them is more of a feeler. And Jesus gives each of them what they need. Now, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. And notice what she says here. This is the more rational, logical sister. Less of a feeler. She says, Lord, if you had been here, Jesus, if you hadn't waited those two days, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And she answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection. At the last day, she's saying, Jesus, I know that there's going to be this great day in the future that those who love you and trust you, that they will rise again. And Jesus said to her, yes, I'm going to give you the truth. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, the one who trusts in me, will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me, by trusting in me, whoever lives in that manner, he says, they will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come into the world. And Jesus gives her the truth in this moment. She, she is facing the loss of her brother. She says, Jesus, if you had been here, this would not have happened. And Jesus says, Sarah, guess what? I am the resurrection and the life. That is who I am. 
And in the future here, we will start a series on these seven I am statements of Jesus. He makes claims over and over about himself throughout the book of John. The same number of seven claims. Here's who I am. Jesus says, this is true. Your brother will rise again. And this is what he says to her. Now he goes and has a conversation with her sister. Now when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and she saw him, she fell at his feet. And she says the exact same thing as her sister. But Jesus responds differently. Lord, if you had been here, if you had been present, Jesus, with me in this suffering, with my brother, he says, she says, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her, the fellow Jewish people who were there with her, grieving with her and mourning with her, when he saw them also weeping, it says that Jesus was deeply moved in spirit. And he was troubled. And the word troubled there, he's, he's welling up in anger at death, is what this is saying. He's raging at it. And he asked this question, where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then Jesus sits with those who are weeping, and he weeps alongside There is so much in those two words that Jesus weeps with us when we weep. And then the Jews get to see how he loves them. And some of them question him, of course. Could not he who have opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And Jesus weeps deep, loving in both truth and tears. And then we come to the, the point of this story that I would say that this is like this is like a funeral, but in reverse. This is the reverse funeral. This moment in scripture. How great. The funerals represent our low times and our low moments. Moments of loss and pain and hurt. The moments of things never being the same. How much more a reverse funeral? Pick up in verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came into the tomb. And it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, again, more logical, rational. She's thinking of this. She said, sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor. He's been in there four days. And then Jesus tells her, don't box me in. <laughs> Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And guess what happened? The dead man came out. His hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. 
at the beginning of this passage, the beginning of this story, Jesus promised, Jesus said that this story will not end in death. And you may push back on that, and you may say, well, Jesus, yeah, but Lazarus did die. And you would be right, Lazarus did die. But Jesus would also be right, because this story did not end in death. He just went through it. Death so oftentimes we view as a period, and Jesus says, not anymore. For those who trust in me, death is just a comma. This story will not end in death. You know, in sports, there's a saying, father time is undefeated. Meaning, no matter how great you are, no matter how proficient you are, no matter how much you excel and maybe at the top of your game, guess what's going to happen? You are going to age. <laughs> Others will pass you up. It will happen. Father time is undefeated. And up to this point, we look at death and we say, death was undefeated. And Jesus says, not anymore. There's a great passage in scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where the Apostle Paul is writing to a church and he's writing about the significance of the resurrection of Jesus and how he's going to look ahead to this resurrection in the future of those who trust in him. We can have eternal life. And he says, so what will be with the resurrection of the dead? And he starts comparing the body that we have right now and the reality that we live in right now to what will be the case. He says, the body, our body that is sown is perishable. Yes, the body that you have, that I have is perishable. But it, guess what? When it is raised up again, it's going to be raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, but yes, when we are raised up, it's going to be raised up in glory. It is sown in weakness, but it's going to be raised up in power. It is sown as a natural body, a body that gets sick, a body that ages, a body that decays. But guess what? It's going to be raised up a spiritual body. Yes, it's spiritual. Yes, it's still a body. Yes, it's going to be raised up that there's going to be no more sickness, there's going to be no more death, there's going to be no more mourning, no more pain. That is the reality that is coming. And if there's a natural body, he says there's also a spiritual body. And he comes, continues on about 10 verses later in that chapter. And he says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Actually, I want to read one verse just before that. Verse 54. He says, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. He says, when that happens, in that day, death is going to be swallowed up in victory. Up to this point, death is the one who swallows up everything else. And he says there's going to be a day, if you trust Jesus, that death is going to be the one that swallows up. It's not going to swallow up your hopes and dreams anymore. It's not going to swallow up your family, those you love and care about. It is going to be the one that is swallowed up. 
And then we're going to look at it that day and say, death, you have taunted us forever, but now it is our turn to taunt you. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Because the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God because he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord, the one who looked at death straight in the eye and conquered it himself. He gives us victory. And this death is not, this life is not something just for later. This truth, this reality is not something just for later. This is not mere fireish insurance. <laughs> One of the things that absolutely drives me crazy is when I see Jesus followers and they hear of someone, they hear of someone who came to Jesus on their deathbed. And they're jealous of him. They say, oh, they hear a story. Yes, this person lived their whole life. And yes, when it was time to die, they finally said yes to Jesus. And yes, they, they may say, well, that's great for them, good for them, good for them. But deep down, they're jealous of him. They say, well, this person got to live their whole life. They got to have their cake and then eat it too and just come to Jesus at the end. When you are saying that, what you're saying is that following Jesus is not the best thing for here and now. What you're saying is that Jesus doesn't give you peace and joy and love and generosity. No, they are the person who misses out. They miss out on life with Jesus. They are the person who misses out. Don't you get it? This is why Jesus said the very reason I came. John chapter 10, verse 10. The very reason I came is so that you may have life and have it in abundance. Have it to the full. Have it eternal here and now. And let me connect the dots for you here. The reason Jesus is able to give you life here and now and beyond, the reason is because it cost him something. We see this here in the last part of this passage. The last part of this passage here says that his love, we'll move on to the next slide, his love here is seen in his sacrifice. We see his love by his sacrifice. The end, the end of this passage reveals that the life of Lazarus would mean the death of Jesus. The end of this passage reveals that the life of Lazarus, that Lazarus being raised back up to life, would trigger the death on a cross of Jesus. We'll read this in John chapter 11, starting at verse 45. We'll see this. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen, they'd seen what Jesus had did, and they believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees, that is, the, the opponents, the religious leaders who are opponents, the opponents of Jesus, who resisted Jesus, they went to the Pharisees, and they told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees, they called a meeting. 
and they, they said this, what are we accomplishing? They're talking about their opposing of Jesus. What are we accomplishing in opposing Jesus like this? They said, here's this man, he's performing many signs, and if we let him go on like this, if we just let him go freely and keep doing this, everyone will believe in him. If people just see him, everyone will believe in him. And then what's going to happen, the Romans, who are ruling the, the Jewish land at that time, they, they will come in, they will take away both our temple, and they will take away our nation. And one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up, and he says, you know nothing at all. Do you not realize that it's better for, the, for you that one man die for the people than for the whole nation to perish? And he did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God, to bring them together and to make them one. And so from that day on, they plotted to take his life. They plotted to kill Jesus because of this resurrection of Lazarus. Therefore, Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the people of Judea. Instead, what he did is he withdrew to a region near the wilderness, to a village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. Thomas said at the beginning of this story that, Jesus, if you go to Lazarus, you will die. Now, what he meant is that, he would, that Jesus would suffer the possibility of possibly dying on the road, on the travel. But ultimately, he would be right. Because this particular sign, raising Lazarus from the dead, would produce belief. It would produce amazement, but it would also produce jealousy and eventually lead to his crucifixion. In verse 57, we see the chapter conclude with the chief priests and the Pharisees giving orders that anyone who found out where Jesus was should report it, that they may arrest him. And eventually Jesus would be arrested. And his friends would themselves scatter. They would abandon him. And he would be alone. And he would go to a cross and he would die on a cross. You see, the only way for Jesus to interrupt death, the only way for Jesus to take death from being a period to making a comma was to actually go through death himself. And his love was so great that he sacrificed his life for you and for me. That he experienced death. And he conquered it. So we can live in the victory. We can live in the victory of Jesus here, now, and forever. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your love and for your grace. Thank you for this moment. We thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. We thank you that you love us through, and that you give us both truth and tears, a hope in the future, and yet your empathy and compassion right now. That you love us, Jesus, we thank you. I pray for your presence to be real to us. We know it is real. Help us be aware of it. And it's in your name I pray.